it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty. And luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Night fans, so sorry you missed the live show, but this replay is brought to you by Gordon and Partners. Gordon and Partners are dedicated to the pursuit of justice for those who've been wrongfully injured at no fault of their own. It's important that you get legal advice directly from somebody you trust, which in our case is Michael Hoffman, a UCF alum. Contact Michael directly at 407-913-5350 or visit the website fortheinjured.com. Don't just trust anybody. Trust a fellow knight. Trust Gordon and Partners for the injured. Hello, Night Nation. I'm Trey Strolko. Welcome to the Sons of UCF Live. Let's get this hour going with Adam and Leo. Guys, 49 days until the start of the 2023 UCF football season. A lot of big doings out of Dallas these last couple of days, Adam. It feels like this is the longest summer ever, Trace. We've been really spoiled because we've had news every summer with coaching changes and transfers. This feels like the longest summer ever. I'm so glad it's now close enough where I can feel like I can touch football. Not quite there just yet, but I feel like it's really, really, really close. Oh, it's close. Yeah, we're only 20 days away, just under 20 days you know, for fall training camp. So I can't wait. I would be remiss, Adam, if I didn't comment on Leo's hat at this point. Uh, you've got into the spirit of Texas, I take it? I, I'm absolutely in the spirit of Dallas right now. So uh, big I've got, was, was a big deal. So I've got questions, Leo. Hey, did you already have that hat? <laughs> so it was propped up like on one of the desks here. And I was like, Okay, well, I'll go ahead and grab it. Good phrase, by the way, out of one of the desks. Let's count. <laughs> let's count the credits. A lot of good works being done yeah. there in that office. Okay, so that's not your hat. Correct? No, it's not. It's not. Okay. So, will this be the last time you wear that hat? <laughs> It'll probably be the last time I wear this hat. Yes, for sure. Yeah, it looks I'll good on you. One it looks of those good. Cool ones that you got on your on your head right now. So it looks I'm good on you, Leo. I need to make yeah. it. Maybe I should make a Suns UCF ten gallon situation. <laughs> yeah, Boy, you drop it. a photo and, you know, on social media, Suns hats and people come out of the woodwork for them. Unbelievable. You're sporting a new one right there, right? This is one of the new designs. Yeah, yeah, it's not as uh, prominent as I, I would like. It's probably hard to see on screen, but uh, it's one of the new designs. I have a special design that's coming to a few of you out there. This is inspired by our good friend Dolly Drama. That's all I'm going to tell you. This is Dolly Drama inspired. Leo's going to get one. Um, I got a few other ones heading out there, so keep an eye on your mailboxes, people. 
Good that you mentioned Dolly Draw. I made a post on social media today saying, well, you know, being in a real conference now is exhausting because so much is going on. Big media days, there's only so much time to consume all of the information. A lot has come out over the last two days from Arlington, Texas. You know, we talked about, you said uh, that football, the longest summer, you know, until the start of the season. We had that moment going from June 30th to July 1, UCF officially in the Big 12. To me, this was another big moment. UCF on a stage. This wasn't, as Gus Malzahn poked fun of during his media session, in a Zoom box for media day. <laughs> this was in Jerry's world. There was some gravitas to this, Adam. This was a big event. Yeah, look, I mean, it was interesting to be a part of that big stage and, you know, be in Jerry World and, and see the players and Gus and everybody out there. And it, it it felt real, right? It finally felt real for the first time. I know we had celebrated on July 1st, but this is the first time we're really a part of that, you know, that Big 12 family. And it felt different than Temple and ECU and Navy. I mean, it just felt a little bit more real for us. Um, and Dolly's exact, you're absolutely right. Like the amount of coverage that, that UCF's getting, and this is not a humble brag, but the amount of like, requests I've gotten or you've gotten Trace to be on podcast to learn about UCF and to learn about you know the school in general has been really cool so I love the way we've been sort of uh, welcome into the Big 12 and and today made it feel more real I think that it had felt before more than 700 media members credentialed you know the biggest names in the business putting out stories and live shots uh, the coverage on ESPN how about uh, John Rice Plumley Leo rocking the gold bow tie yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it was the coolest thing out there because I was very intrigued by Jalen Daniels and his little, you know, I don't know if you guys saw his his uh, his chain. That was pretty intriguing, but got to give a shout out to JRP just because, it, you know, it's classic and, you know, he's, he's a very humble guy. So uh, typical JRP there. Can I can I just say you only wear a bow tie, Trace, to show people you know how to tie a bow tie, right? Like that's that's the only reason you do that. It feels like a look at me situation. That's all I'm saying. I mean, yeah. You just do that so people know you know how he to use the he used the piano recitals excuse as a I need pictures. I need one other picture of JRP in a bow tie before I buy that piano recital situation. So and I'm getting some favor of the new UCF beat writer for the Orlando Sentinel, Matt Merchelle, who is always sporting the bow tie. So JRP no doubt sucking up a little bit there with Matt Merchelle. You know, another big difference is Big Twelve Commissioner Brett Yormark versus AAC Commissioner Mike Oresco. Who? We have joked about him through the years. Brett Yormark knows how to command a stage. Uh, his opening comments, the Q&A, he is confident about expanding the footprint of the Big 12 with these four new markets, expansion uh, of the brand in Mexico and all of the other types of events. I think his vision, a lot of people have bought into that, not only across the Big 12, the fan bases, but you could tell the media as well, very intrigued about what he may do next end. Yeah, I mean, he talked uh, pretty openly about a few different items about his agenda. I mean, he had on screen slides of what we've done, what we're going to do and sort of the future roadmap. And I thought that was interesting that you don't see that a lot in conferences. And he's cer certainly very forward thinking. Um, you can tell he's somebody who um, I, I actually just really I know I, I made fun of this on Twitter, but I actually really like some of the subtle things he does when every media member got up. Hi, I'm, you know, Bill from, you know, Kansas Plains. He would say, hey, Bill, how are you? And Bill would respond, I'm doing good, Brett. Thanks for asking. They'd ask a question and he'd answer and he'd say, thanks for your question. I like some of the subtleties that that he kind of provides. You certainly can tell he has the gravitas for this kind of situation. He has that leadership for this kind of situation. 
I don't know what he said in between those. Hello and thank you. But I, I think he certainly has sort of that 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 presence that you're looking for in a commissioner. Uh, we have a clip that we can play in a little bit, Trace, about his his talk about expansion. But I think he's also forward thinking. And, and I think that's something that we were sorely lacking under the Mike Oresco regime in the American Conference. Six minutes into the show, two uses of the word gravitas, by the way. Leo, I know one of the things you liked about Commissioner Yormark is his interest in the footprint in Mexico, uh, getting uh, the Big 12 brand with future football games and basketball games uh, being played in Mexico. No, yeah, I, I think that that is an aggressive vision for the conference. Um, just thinking about what other conferences are doing and what this could turn out to be, you know, expanding into Mexico south of the border. It's huge. Uh, I think people need to start realizing that there is a fan base. Obviously, there is a big NFL fan base, you know, south of the border. And that's that's going to continue to expand if, we, if the Big 12, you know, takes its, uh, its media relations over there and we start taking our teams and stuff. And I keep thinking about, I keep thinking about if this is successful, how big the Big 12 can leave, you know, uh, conferences like the SEC, the Big 10 behind just in, in the marketing, marketing wise, because obviously, you know, the SEC is the SEC, but uh, just a, a marketing from a marketing perspective, this, this could turn out to be huge. I guess they handled things as well as they could with Oklahoma and Texas, a part of the uh, two-day Media Days event in uh, Arlington. Of course, they're one more season in the Big 12. Commissioner Yormark, as you mentioned, Adam, asked about expansion. That is on the minds of everybody waiting to see who moves where next, and he addressed it head on. I said we were open for business last year. I think people took that as, my God, you know, <laughs> this guy's new and he wants to go and, and disrupt, I guess, in some respects. But you know, indicative of my opening comments today, open for business was that we were going to explore every and all possibility to grow revenue, to diversify our conference and to do things that hadn't been done before. And we did a lot of that relative to expansion. I said, coming out of our spring business meetings at the Greenbrier, that we have a plan and we have a plan for expansion. And I'm not going to really address it today. You can ask me, <laughs> but I'm not really going to address it. We do have a plan. And hopefully we can execute that plan sooner than later. Um, but as I've always said, I love the composition of this conference right now. Mm -hmm. The excitement the four new members have brought to this conference has been incredible. And if we stay at 12, we're perfectly fine with that. If the opportunity presents itself where there's something that creates value and, and aligns well with our goals and objectives, um, starting with the board, then we're certainly going to pursue it. I like the word he uses to describe himself as being a disruptor, and he's going to continue to be that. What did you make of his comments, Adam, on expansion? Yeah, I think he was purposely vague, right, and, and rightfully so. But I like the fact that he's alluding to a plan of some sort, right, that they've sat down and kind of talked through that. Uh, he talked about value a bunch, which <laughs> I think obviously indicates he's looking to add in teams that that add value but i think that's an interesting proposition right because i think the basketball side there's opportunity to add value in schools that's different than the football side so how does he delineate those two i think will be interesting but i mean you certainly understand that he seems like he's very calculated and he's got a plan and a plan a and a plan b and a plan c and i like the confidence that he you know he indicates to uh, to, to the audience and to the members of, of the Big 12 around what he's working on. I think that's, again, that's a vast difference from what we experienced in our last couple of decades in the American Conference.
Well, let's get the perspective of a member of the media, a UCF alum, a friend of the program, Eric Henry, now covering Texas at Horns 24-7. Eric, welcome in to Sons of UCF Live. What is going on, guys? It's always nice to hop on with you. It's been a while since the last I've been on, but, you know, it always feels like I get a brief chance to come back home. It feels like home whenever I'm with you guys, so appreciate you making the time. Glad to have you back. Uh, take us through this. Uh, what was your perspective? You've been covering FIU, and, you know, Coach Malzahn talked about having been in a Zoom box for the last couple of AAC media days. Right. This was a big event. Take us through it from your perspective being on the ground in Arlington. Yeah, well, you know, while I was backstage in the waiting room, I caught the tail end of uh, Big 12 Commissioner Brett Gormark's comments. And, you know, I thought it was interesting hearing his comments, right? And he's a guy who, of course, came from Rock Nation and came from the Brooklyn Nets. So not typically that that kind of traditional run-of-the-mill pick of a conference commissioner. He does talk a big game as far as having big ideas and wanting to appeal to Gen Z. And time will tell how that plays out. I will say I did think it was interesting for all the talk he, he spoke of wanting to appeal to Gen Z and getting younger and hipper. You know, there at Big 12 Media Days in Arlington, the music that was being played was that of the Wu-Tang Clan and, you know, Jay-Z. So not quite Gen Z, but I'm sure it's a work in progress, right? So I, I couldn't help but note that. But, you know, really- Not quite Terry Mahajer's playlist either. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure about that, no, no doubt about it. But yeah, I mean, just, you know, kind of talking about his comments, I do think it really is going to come down to whether or not Colorado um, makes a decision or not, you know, when the Pac-12, in the Pac-12, if they're going to be able to leave that conference and go to the Big 12. That will really kind of get the ball rolling as far as what else the conference is going to be able to do. And as far as the, the two-day session, it was interesting, guys, because I thought the conference made a good move by moving Texas up a day and putting them on the first day because it really would have created a kind of a, a, a unique kind of environment to have both Oklahoma and Texas, the schools that are leaving on both days. I thought splitting those schools in two, right? So you could have the attention on half of the new members who were coming in yesterday's session. And then of course, UCF really was the headliner today. So all in all, you know, a really good event, but it, it did kind of have an interesting, unique kind of feel of any other conference media day that I've covered because a lot of the questions were about the two programs that are leaving what that's going to do to the future of the conference, but also the excitement of the new programs in specificity, UCF and Houston. From a logistics standpoint, what's it like with 700 credentialed media members? What are those scrums like? Yeah, elbowing people to get your, your phone in there and, and, and record audio? Trace, maybe this is something that, you know, only guys like us can appreciate. Those scrums were horrible. So I, I kind of try and paint the picture. They had the big stage up there at the middle, and of course the coaches would speak, and they tried to take as many questions as they could for about 10, 15 minutes, but right as all of the coaches, I'm not just talking about you know your, your Steve Sarkeesians and Brent Venables, so Gus Malzahn, I took a picture of his scrum, that was 25 deep. As soon as they stepped off the podium, they would take a second, compose themselves, you know, take a picture with the mascot and the cheerleaders, and then walk right over to a Big 12 backdrop, where you probably had about a dozen media members who had already waited in place for each head coach. So you talk about elbowing and shoving. I, I had to, you know, make my way and use my frame to get in front to talk to Steve Sarkeesian yesterday, no doubt about it. Eric, you mentioned the, the four new schools. How much excitement was there for the four new schools? How much chatter was there amongst the, the media and, and some of the folks that were there? UCF was a name brand. I mean, that's, uh, I'm not just saying that because I'm here, guys. UCF was the name brand. Even as Gus Malzahn was waiting to take the stage, I heard some of the writers behind me talk about yeah, you know, a really cool thing about UCF is they, they call their stadium the bounce house or you couldn't help but hear other media members, especially today, you know, kind of having chatter about UCF. There was a lot of talk about Houston as well. Of course, I think a lot of that was locally based with, of course, the event being here in Arlington. 
And, you know, BYU and Cincy as well, there was some talk. But overall, I mean, the headliner was UCF. And, and again, I think it was a smart decision to split up, not have Texas and OU on the same day as UCF. Because in that case, you know, a lot of the questions really would have been geared towards them leaving to the SEC as opposed to trying to put the focus on the future of the conference. Eric, I kind of want to get you a holistic view of what the departure of Texas and OU means for the conference and as well as what it means for the newcomers. Um, because uh, Brett Yormark was asked yesterday um, how, you know, how the two schools have carried recruiting, you know, throughout the, for the Big 12. So I don't know if that really changes much in, in the aspects of rankings, you know, the, the Big 12 as one of the top three, I guess, power five schools. There's no doubt about it. I mean, Brett, listen, it's his job as the conference commissioner to put on a, you know, a good front and, and really be optimistic about his league. Right. But one of the things he said is that, hey, you know, Texas and OU have strong tradition, but he thinks that the league is more than two teams. Uh, that caught my attention when he said that. Uh, no disrespect to Brett Yormark, but listen, you're talking about two teams in Texas and Oklahoma who, regardless of on-field success, right, you know, we always have the joke, is Texas back? It's been a while since they've won a Big 12 title, of course, 2009, and of course, you know, the last national title. Oklahoma's had a little more success in recent years, but the fact of the matter is they are still named brands, and that is going to affect the conference in a lot of ways with the trajectory that Steve Sarkeesian has the program heading entering this year, and of course, if they do leave the Big 12 with the conference title, you know, that, of course, would put them on an even higher trajectory and the same thing with Oklahoma. So there's no doubt that those two teams leaving will affect recruiting. Now, just my personal opinion, this is where I think having a UCF comes in huge because, uh, you know, just some chatter amongst some of the media members there were saying, oh, you know, who do you think uh, of these four teams really has the opportunity to kind of hit it big immediately? And I was making the case for UCF that, you know, Houston, yes, they will have a shot to recruit really well. And Cincy being in the Big 12 will help them recruit. But I don't think Cincy's ever going to out-recruit the Big 10, you know, name brand schools in that area. UCF has been recruiting well in Florida for a while. We've seen what Gus Malzahn has done the transfer portal. And I think that will continue and even continue more now being a Big 12 team. Make the case for Texas, the preseason pick here. And, uh, you know, they're always mentioned. You mentioned the brand name, right? Do you see the makings of a team that can win the Big 12, or are they going to be, once again, overrated? Trace, they are really, really talented. And I know you can say that about Texas in any previous year, right? But it, this isn't just someone who is kind of new to the beat and you kind of get overwhelmed by, you know, the, the names here or there. You can run down the list, whether it's Xavier Worthy, he's one of the most dynamic players in all of college football. They have an All-American tight end in JT Sanders. You know, you can go to – Kelvin Banks Jr., who started every game as a left as a as a true freshman left tackle last year, and I'll, I'll give you a stat that you know caught my attention. He played four games against first against first round picks off the edge, and didn't allow a sack as a true freshman to any of those guys. You know, defense that's really going to be the thing that makes or break Texas makes or breaks Texas year Texas's year this year. Excuse me. Um, you know, they're having to replace guys like Deshaun Jameson and, and others who've gone to the NFL. But they've got five-star, you know, recruits like Anthony Hill Jr., one of the top edge players. You can't even forget about guys like, you know, Jalen Ford, the defensive player of the year, a preseason vote for defensive player of the year. So a lot of talent there. Of course, the running back position, a kid that uh, out of Orlando, C.J. Baxter out of Edgewater High School. He's looking, you know, kind of that competition to the starting running back. So uh, in my opinion, yes, the, the preseason hype is warranted. It's going to come down to Quinn Ewers and can he perform. What's their Achilles heel? Uh, really, again, so two things. That running back room, you know, when you replace B. John, B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson, 
two guys went to the NFL. That's going to be huge. Again, uh, you know, will it be CJ Baxter? Will it be Jonathan Brooks? It's going to be running back by committee. That's going to be a big thing. In, in my mind, really, the, the Achilles heel in terms of in, in, until he can stabilize his play is Quinn Ewers. We've talked about him. You know, he's been a college ball veteran, and, and I wrote this for Holmes 24-7 yesterday. He kind of is the embodiment of today's college football player, right? A guy who's been – we've talked about him for years. You've known him come out of high school, had the big NIL deal. But he's got to back it up on the field. You know, when he was good, he was good last year. But when he was bad, it just, it quite frankly, hurt his team. And he put a little bit of that on, you know, having a hernia injury and not being able to stabilize himself and really move the way he wanted to in the pocket. But he also says he's fully healthy this year. So it's going to come down to Quinn Ewers and can he make that next step in development as a quarterback. Eric, I know one thing that Texas QB room leads the nation in, in, in total number of abs, but let's talk more about UCF for a second. Obviously, you're, you're an alum, you're, you're a journalist, you cover these kind of things. UCF picked eighth in the Big 12 preseason media poll. What are realistic expectations for UCF in, in year one in the Big 12? It depends on who you ask, Adam. So, you know, I work with a guy, Chip Brown, who's been covering Big 12 football in Texas for the better part of three decades. He's really high on UCF. He believes that if UCF can go three and one in each third of their games in the regular season, that they have a real shot at nine wins. And, you know, he's even more optimistic than I am. I, I voted them seventh in, in my preseason poll. I, I'm somewhere between seven and eight wins. You know, if, if things strike right, I think eight. I feel a little more solid with that seven number. But I just take a look at their schedule, and I, I do think there are some games that are going to be some challenges. And in my mind, eighth is eighth is – it's somewhere between a little low and just about right. It's just that in, in my mind, there's so many games that are toss-ups. You know, this league, you got Texas and Oklahoma who are far and away, in my mind, those top two competitors. And then everyone else is really kind of fighting for, okay, can we get a team going? Can we hit our stride and get hot? But with UCF, Adam, we all know what it comes down to, right? It's, it's, it's JRP. Uh, I don't think there's any question in my mind. I was very close to pulling the trigger for voting for JRP as far as Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year. I think if you can put your – Listen, listen, that's that's the truth. That's the truth. I, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I, at the end of the day, you came I voted, to your senses. At the end of the day, I voted for Jalen Daniels. But I, I do think if he can have the type of year where he throws for three thousand yards and rushes for one thousand yards, that's going to put UCF in really good position. But does everything else come together for the Knights? We'll see. All right, follow up. So seven wins as a media member yes. is that acceptable? As an alum, is that acceptable? <laughs> Um, as a media member, that's great. As, as an alum, I, I think seven wins is acceptable. I think your first year in the conference, getting adjusted. You know, Gus Malzahn made a really interesting point, and I don't know. My gut, Adam, tells me some of this is just coach speak. I, I think it's a little bit overrated, but he, he really emphasized it. He talked about the fact that there's way more travel for this team this year, being involved in a league that's a little more spread out, right? And he talked about, again, is this coach speak or is this legit? I don't know. But he said that the difference isn't in how far you're traveling to play the game, but it's the fact that when you're getting back, instead of getting back late Saturday night, you're getting back when, you know, the sun is rising Sunday and how that, you know, plays a part in far as game plan for the next week, you know, little things like that. I guess they do make a difference and we'll see how that plays out. But as, as an alum, I, I, I think that's about right as well. So, Eric, uh, UCF hits the road against Kansas, Oklahoma, uh, Kansas State, and Texas Tech. We all know, you know, it's a it's better competition now coming from the American. If UCF does show up and, you know, they they look like a very good team, uh, which, which of those games do you think that 
could give UCF the most trouble, you know, getting getting through. I mean, Oklahoma for one, you know, Dylan Gabriel was certainly a popular man today, of course. Gus Malzahn was asked about the fact that he was playing against his former quarterback. And, you know, Gus talked about the fact of wishing he could have been healthy and, you know, gave the corporate answer. I, I, I think we all can see between Dylan Gabriel and, and JRP what type of quarterback he's looking to use as far as employing his system. But, yeah, I think Oklahoma is certainly the game that would give the most trouble. I mean, even you look at Kansas, for example. Kansas is a team that Lance Leipold has them heading in the right direction. Jalen Daniels is the real deal. Devin Neal, a former 1,000-yard rusher running back, a lot of players returning. Kansas is this is not the Kansas of old that won two games and you know was letting people in for free because of the fact that they were pushing Oklahoma to the fourth quarter a couple of years back. You know this is a real deal team, so definitely going to be some challenges. But of course, the Oklahoma game is, is arguably the, the most challenging. Right, and the reason I was asking is because you know, Oklahoma last year they didn't they didn't look too sharp, and you know Kansas after Daniels is gone they didn't look and and obviously Kansas State was Big Twelve championship though, so I thought they would present a bigger challenge, but you know, just to kind of understand the Big 12 landscape a little bit more because Oklahoma, you know, wasn't as strong, I guess, last year's. But I'm assuming from your analysis that they will be a team to, you know, that would be contending next year. Yeah, just to quickly touch on that. I mean, it, I guess it kind of depends on your thoughts on Dylan Gabriel. I do truly believe that had he been healthy, Oklahoma would have been a little more competitive. And also Brent Venables has to get that defense up to par for a guy who has such a defensive pedigree. You know, that's going to change. He's not going to have the defense that he had two years in a row. And as far as Kansas State, they got to replace Deuce Vaughn. They did get Treshawn Ward from Florida State, but Deuce Vaughn was a hell of a running back. You don't just do that overnight. There are no Temples or South Floridas in this league. Give me a surprise uh, pairing in the uh, the Big 12 title game. Not a Texas, not an Oklahoma. Who could surprise and find themselves in that game? UCF and Kansas. Oh. Um, and I'm, I'm not just saying, I'm not just saying <laughs> that, that sounds so strange. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not just saying that because those are the two teams we just talked about. I mean, again, uh, I'm real Jalen Daniels guys. I mean, you take a look at where that team was. He had them off to a three and O start before he ended up getting banged up. They had to turn to Jason Bean, who is another dual threat dynamic quarterback, but wasn't the same type of precision passer that Jalen Daniels is. He is the real deal. Again, you pair him with Devin, um, with Devin Neal. I genuinely think they're strong. And, and and listen, I mean, like I said, this is, you know, not saying this because I'm an alum, just saying this because this was a lot of the conversation going on over the past two days. Some people really are high on UCF and think if they can hit their stride early and again, you know, take three out of out of every four games as they as they go through the schedule in thirds, that they may have a shot to compete at the end. But Trace, to your point, that would also mean that Texas or Oklahoma has imploded and it would just be another year in the Big 12, I guess. <laughs> All right, Eric, a lot of us have been following your career for a while. Obviously, as an alum, you spent time, you know, covering FIU. Uh, and you're a Florida guy at heart. What's the biggest difference between living in Florida and now living in Texas? What's your welcome to Texas moment so far? Okay, so I tweeted about this, and I, I, I'm curious to see what you guys think. I mean, I'll give you a couple, but one, this heat, guys, is real. And listen, being born and raised in Florida, you know, living and growing up in Tampa, living in Orlando, Miami, Florida heat is one thing, but I'm just telling you right now. The humidity, it doesn't make a difference. The humidity exists here. But when you get hit with this Texas heat and you feel like you're opening the oven at 425, that is real. So that's one thing. I'd say probably a, another thing is just people people who live in Texas are very proud of Texans, and they will not let you forget that they are very proud Texans. There's just a lot of Texas pride around this state that even living in Austin it exists in very unique 
weights. Despite the heat, Eric, I noticed you don't have a tank top on. What uh, what gives there? Yeah. So, guys, here's the deal, right? I, I would have worn the tank top, right? If it's the Eric yeah. Henry choice, you wear the tank top. But guess what? Um, CBS and Paramount tend to frown on the tank top. Wow. When doing these things. And um, I, I, I was politely reminded that sleeves are, are not optional when, when doing media. Were, so. were you politely reminded of this after you recently <laughs> did a show with a tank top on? How did that come to be? That is exactly how it worked. Uh, I was politely <laughs> reminded that, you know, hey, this is uh, uh, no longer your previous employer. I will not bash my previous employer, despite the fact that they named my previous employer. <laughs> that uh, sleeves are not optional when doing media. So uh, that is why. Is there anyone else, though, in the company that could pull that off like you? I saw some of the no, media featured no. over the last two days. No, and I'm sure I saw a lot of guys that could pull off that one. No, Trace. I mean, listen, no. I, I, I don't, I don't <laughs> want to be, you know, costume and all, but, you know, if, if, if you're looking for the non-sleeve look, you know, that that you can get to Twitter or Instagram and find that. No, there's no one else. Yeah, Shehan Jairaji could never. But Eric, uh, how excited oh, for no. you? How excited? This is a big move. How excited are for you uh, for you to cover Texas and get out there and, and sort of you know be a part of a, a program like Texas? How exciting is this for you in your career? Yeah, listen, on a personal level, guys, it's it's amazing. I mean, going from FIU and no disrespect to the Panthers, but going from a, a, a program and an athletics you know kind of standpoint where it, it's not the most of a fan base, right? To Texas, where lose, win, or draw, very passionate. And the Texas beat, I mean, Trace, you can appreciate this. It's it's an NFL beat. I mean, the amount of people who care about Texas football, the amount of people who cover Texas football day in, day out, it's very competitive. It's an NFL-like beat. So, you know, Adam, for, for my career, it's huge, and I'm just grateful for the opportunity, and I appreciate 24-7 sports and CBS for giving me the opportunity. But, yeah, I mean, it, it, at least – for one season, it brings me, you know, a little bit closer to UCF as opposed to where, you know, covering G5 and Conference USA football. I mean, I'm not in Las Cruces, New Mexico or Murfreesboro, <laughs> Tennessee. You know, the, the 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 budget stipend is a little bit more. I'm not flying Spirit of Frontier anymore. So <laughs> with that, with that uh, in that sense, in that's that a win sense, right there. That's a win right there, Eric. Yeah. Have you written anything yet that a uh, diehard Longhorn fan has gotten on you about? Because uh, I'm sure somebody's going to enter your dms upset not not yet but i'm learning from all of the previous writers all the writers on this beat and, and shout out to you know taylor estes who i'm taking her spot uh she's been very kind and, and warning me and saying hey in the preseason it's all roses and you know everything is great the first time texas loses a game that they're not supposed to or the first time that it's zero zero against rice in the season opener and then you know zero zero entering halftime things are just going to blow up so she's told me that it, it is coming so don't think that it's just going to be as optimistic as it's been in, in the early on eric henry so good to have you on sons of ucf live looking forward to your coverage of the longhorns this season and who knows no football games but there will be other sports we'll have to have you back on to talk something else absolutely i'll be covering football basketball and baseball so i appreciate the invite and you know we'll see where the future holds appreciate it trace adam leo thank you guys Thank you, Eric. Hey, Eric. All right. See, Leo, see what happens. You work hard. Make your way up there. Now you're covering Texas. Get yeah, places. Pretty, pretty big. Pretty big. A um, couple of football notes. Uh, does this surprise you? Uh, another transfer portal entry, right, as we're in the midst of media days. Uh, quarterback Jaden Francois uh, enters the, the portal. Uh, he, he must not see a, a big future with UCF. Yeah, he's an interesting character. He, he was the kid who committed to Miami like twice, ended up in Nebraska, then transfers to UCF and never really saw the field. I mean, a ton of potential coming out of high school. But 
never saw the field like I don't anticipate at this point in, in his in his tenure he, he didn't see a path forward but this is one of those weird things where grad transfers can leave whenever I feel like we got to tighten that up a little bit but obviously uh, you know hopefully he sees an opportunity to go elsewhere um, and get some playing time and uh, you know once a night always a night speaking of once a night always a night Gabe Davis Leo you had an opportunity to talk with him Gabe of course with the Buffalo Bills now back in town he's behind a new venture Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, a couple of media members showed up to the draft Academy. It's right off of goldenrod. Um, I mean, I think the concept is, is great in, in not just so for the professional athletes, but also for the college athletes that are going into the pros, because uh, we talked to the owner of the facility uh, that runs the facility, I should say manager of the facility for, and he was telling us, you know, th- these are guys that are welcome here to, you know, act like pros, become pros. So they're, you know, they're taking care of their bodies like pros when they get to the next level. So it's a great concept that Gabe Davis has brought to, to Orlando. And of course, Gabe asked about UCF being in the Big 12. Yeah, I'm so happy for the guys. Um, it, was, it was a long time coming um, to be able to get the respect for them to now move on to one of the Power Fives. So it's going to be great to watch them this year. Gabe Davis. Always coming back to UCF, you know, he's from Sanford. He's always in Central Florida. He was training out at UCF uh, with a number of uh, NFL guys. Uh, and uh, it's, it's always good to have him back. He just embodies uh, the success that UCF's had over these last few years. Yeah, Trust, I love that aspect. I, I don't know how it works out, how it works for the workouts, but I mean, he's got you know Bill's teammates there that didn't go to UCF, right? Other guys in the NFL who didn't go to UCF are, are here in Orlando training with him. And look, I can only help UCF at some point in time, right? Like having that many NFL guys walking around campus using facilities before you know it, they're telling other people. I, mean, I think that's really cool that you know some of these guys, even though they've left and they've moved on. You know, there's a handful we could always talk about, but, you know, Gabe is one that certainly always wears the cape for UCF and he puts his money where his mouth is and comes back and trains here, brings people with him. And then to Leo's point, opening something for the community that can that can help out and help younger athletes. That's that's really cool. And I know he's he's a UCF guy. He's a you know guy from from, you know, that area. I, I think the that probably means more to him to not only give back to his hometown school, but his his, his actual hometown as well. I think that's really cool. Of course, he paves the way for others, as did Jimmy Frizzell some 20 years ago. You and Mike recently had him on the pod and, of course, released as a standalone interview on the Suns YouTube channel. Yeah, Jimmy was fantastic. I mean, for those who don't know about Jimmy Frizzell, I mean, his name is probably most famous to you because he held the kick for Javier Berlegi. So he's part of that famous call for Mark Daniels. You know, Mike Hedge uh, snapped it. Jimmy Frizzell held it and Javier Berlegi kicked it. But this guy was was a really tough, dynamic receiver for UCF uh, and somebody that, that made a bunch of big plays. And we had a chance to talk to him. You know, a lot of the alums, which I think is really cool, Trace, we've had a chance to talk to a few alums and, you know, Leo talking to Gabe Davis. The alums and the, and the varsity Knights are so excited about this move to the big 12 and Jimmy kind of uh, shares a little bit about the, the journey and ha- has he experienced the opportunity for UCF to move up to a power five conference. But, you know, going into the big 12 now, I mean, it, it's taken some time, but it feels really, really good to be a part of kind of those building blocks and now to see where, you know, we truly are in this power five to where, Oh yeah, we're going to go in the big East. Oh, the big East folds. And yeah, it kind of always been this shuffle of, Hey, one year, two year, ah, too late, too late, too late. <laughs> A lot of pride amongst uh, UCF nation for this move to the big 12. 
Yeah, that, that's the coolest thing is talking to some of these, you know, varsity knights and and they, they laid the foundation for Yusuf to be where they are now. And Jimmy talks about it. There's always these rumors, right? You know, people have been around long enough. We were in the Mac for a little bit for people who don't know that. We were in the Conference USA for a little bit, right? We thought we had the Big East and that became the American Conference. So there, there's been a, a such a journey and I, I, it's so cool to see guys like Jimmy and Mike Palmer and Sean Becton who we've had on recently who played a role in getting UCF to where they are. And I'm, I'm just as excited excited for those guys as I am for the current crop of nights that get a chance to be in the Big 12. Of course, this move to the Big 12 celebrated by guys and fans from the past as well, the present. But you know what? The move to the Big 12 is always about the future as well. And covering recruiting in the state of Georgia for On3 Sports is Jeremy Johnson, national recruiting writer. And he joins us now. Jeremy, welcome into Sons of UCF Live. How are you guys doing? Doing well, doing Great. well. UCF has made a splash recently in recruiting. You're on the ground in Georgia. You cover it. What has surprised you most about UCF's push and using this Big 12 branding uh, to make a difference with recruits? How quickly it hit it hit some of these guys and how quickly it the message that UCF is going into a conference looking to win a national championship. You know, that's kind of the, been the theme between all of the guys. That was That was the immediate, like, oh, wow. You know, these guys are not only thinking, let's go win the Big 12. They're thinking, you know, we're going here and we're going to win Big 12. And then we're going to go and go and compete on a national space, uh, national level. And I think that's 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 uh, something UCF has been knocking on the door of like you guys were talking about, you know, being in some of these other conferences. You know, they really didn't necessarily get a fair shake uh, some of those times, some of those good teams they had a couple of years ago. So I think this is the opportunity for them to be able to do that. Jeremy, how have you seen the perception of UCF change over the last two or three seasons? How, how have kids thought about UCF now compared to, you know, 2019 and 2020? It's a fun program. I mean, it sounds like the guys really enjoy this coaching staff over there and they really feel like, you know, it's not, you know, it's not. I mean, UCF has won a lot of football games and I don't think some of these guys realize how much they've won, you know, in the recent history. But like, you know, every kid I talk to, they're, and we want to go down there and build our own legacy. And I think that's kind of the change perception that I think has happened recently is just guys see it as an opportunity to one, go and compete, win a championship, go in and, you know, prove some of these schools wrong or, you know, show that, you know, they, they're going to go in there and help build a foundation somewhere rather than building on to something that was already built, you know, like in Alabama or Georgia or wherever. So. Jeremy, talking about um, recruiting and hometown recruiting has always been an emphasis for Coach Malzahn. But now, you know, going above and beyond Florida, Georgia, which is a very competitive state, I, I'm assuming, you know, having Georgia there, Georgia Tech, you know, how how big of a, a recruiting uh, move is that by UCF to kind of like set a base in Georgia where they can start recruiting guys that are talented and, you know, maybe fight schools like Georgia and Georgia Tech, you know, to get these recruits? Yeah, I think it's I think it's vital for a program in in the state of Florida. Obviously, you know they got Florida to, be, to build out of, but also you coming up into Georgia, where I mean the guys are getting are playing seven A, six A football. Like that's that's really high level football on every Friday night, and these guys are all have played a lot of high school football as well. So, you know, I think it's important to get those kind of guys because those guys are guys that will make an impact early. Those are guys that you can count on to you know, set your foundation moving forward because they've seen so much already. They've been exposed to so much. I think that's a good way to start for Coach Malzahn and that group because, I mean, you look at Clemson, Clemson, uh, 
you know, Georgia, when they were first getting going under Kirby, a lot of their, a lot of the base of those foundations of those football teams came recruiting that, that, that Gwinnett County, that uh, Atlanta area and South Georgia. So, you know, if UCF is able to do anything even similar to getting in and getting some of these guys and, you know, building a, building a brand within the city of Atlanta, they will be competitive because there's going to be so many good football players that, you know, just coming out of the state. Like it's, like it's literally just guys are falling out of trees <laughs> to come play college football in the city of Atlanta. So, I mean, it's, it, I mean, it's, I don't know why more programs don't try to do it, to be honest. So, uh, UCF's move to the Big 12 official on July 1. And each of those days, uh, you know, from the first on, that boom after boom after boom. Tell us about some of these guys uh, that have been announced uh, as commits. Yeah. You know, obviously, Colin Fox was the big one, the big tight end. Uh, He's he's a he's a big time potential guy, big time playmaker guy that, you know, he's still he's still building and developing. And, then, you know, his, his upside is, you know, pretty, pretty substantial. And I think, you know, if you if Gus Malzahn is able to put him in some good spots and use him and, and get some mismatches, he's going to be a guy that we see blossom over the next couple of years just because he's about six, five, six, six. You know, he's still learning. He's still kind of learning the tight end position. I know he played some edge early in his high school career. So he's one that's got a lot of upside. Guy that's really come on strong. He came on strong last year at Sandy Creek. And when he's moved to Langston Hughes this year is Jacob Good. He uh, he's one of those guys on defense. You're going to hear him. He gonna, he's going to talk. He's a, he's a little ball of energy. So I think he's going to be one that really connects with the fan base. And Walt Claire Flynn, Kylan Fox's high school teammate, it's one of the nastiest offensive linemen you're going to see. He's not he's not really tall, but I mean he makes a he makes a living out of you know pancaking guys and doing his little step over. So he's going to bring the he's a he's a nasty 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 interior guy that will set the foundation of that offensive line. I mean everybody I can talk about is you know I can say they're foundational type players. Um, Stacy Gage right out of the state of Florida. Big time recruit for a long time. He's played a lot of big football games against a lot of really high high level competition. Another big time playmaker to add to that offense. So, um, you know, Quay Quay Bird song is a guy I've seen quite a bit. He's, you know, he can he may turn into an edge, but he plays stand up linebacker and covers. You know, right now, so he's another guy that just has crazy upside. That you know, in two or three years, we could be talking about him as a potential NFL type of guy. Just and all the physically. And all- all the guys you mentioned have been active on social media recruiting for UCF. They're encouraging guys, hey, look where I plan to go. You need to join me. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of camaraderie between the guys that are already committed. And I think there are some guys that they know they're going to get that they are, you know, really connected with. I think that's something that's that's an that's an underrated aspect to have, especially when you recruit a lot of guys that know each other because, you know, hey man, look at what we're doing over here. You know, you come over here with us. You know, you see it with classes every now and then where there's a group that just kind of they just click. And I think that's what's going on with UCF right now, not only because they're recruiting guys from the city of Atlanta and the state of Georgia or the state of Florida. I think these guys genuinely have been on campus together and they've connected and they all kind of have that same mold. And, you know, when you get into a room with people that kind of have the kind of same mindset of you as you, you know, special things can happen, especially on a football field. Well, Jeremy, based on your comment, in your opinion, is there more to come? Are, are there more recruits that you think are, are heavily leaning towards UCF? Oh, yeah, I definitely think there's more to come. Um, 
I don't, I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure who, who will be next, but you know, uh, the guys have mentioned guys that they want and, you know, Bradell Richardson is a guy that comes to mind. Um, Tavion Galloway, former LSU commit is another tight end that, you know, I know the guys really want, um, you know, I don't, I don't have, I don't have, you know, a date or anything in front of me, but those are guys that I'm looking at that, you know, are targets that, you know, some of these guys have mentioned um, when I talk to them. So, you know, I, that both of those guys will be huge additions and both of those guys are really good football players. So, you know, I think that would be where I would start when I start looking. Well, Jim, I know you you cover recruiting on a consistent basis, right? As as fans, as media, there's a lot of conversation about NIL. How much are you seeing NIL as a factor as as you hear about kids and 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 visits they're taking and schools they're committing to? How realistic or how real is the NIL poll for kids as they think about schools these days? It's definitely a factor. I mean, I don't think guys want like they don't really talk about it out front and you know in the public, but it's definitely something you have to consider. Um, obviously it's, it's, it's there. I mean, it's like people, you know, it's, it's there. I mean, that's, that's really the, the thing. It's like people are dealing with it kind of behind the scenes, but I don't know if it's making decisions for a lot of guys. I think maybe at first it brought some teams into the room that might've not been there. But I think at the end of the day, a lot of these guys are making football decisions when I kind of, we kind of really look at it. I mean, so I think it's there, but also, I mean, it's not the whole picture. It's probably about a, you know, everybody has their own pie chart, and I'll say that. <laughs> uh, Jeremy, I was kind of wondering a little bit about Christian Peterson's DB. He's a three-star. Uh, I, I haven't really heard a lot about him just because, you know, all these other four-star recruits, you know, you kind of underlook those. But he looks like an interesting uh, recruit. Can you give us a little bit more of what he, he gives us? Yeah, I, I like Christian. Christian's, you know, is all, he's played a lot of football. Um, he's one of those guys that's a veteran at a big school. He's played, you know, nickel. He's played in the safety. And oh, he's one of those guys. I know another one of those guys that is a ball of energy on the football field. So, you know, I think he can be really versatile. He, he can play corner. He can play nickel. I think that's kind of his role is down in the box, kind of playing that star position. I think he will. I think he could have an impact early just because he's seen so much football. Him and Jacob Good are kind of similar. I think Jacob may be a little quicker, a little more uh, twitchy, but, you know, he's just a really good football player. I mean, he doesn't like – he's not going to go out and run a 4-4 and be a 4-3 guy and jump 40 inches, but he's going to be in the right spots where he needs to be. He's very – you know, he's a solid guy that you can count on a baseline being here and you know it's going to be there for 48 minutes or – however long, 60 minutes, however long a football game is, he's going to be that way. So um, I think that's that's what you're getting in him, and I think that's going to be – he's going to be one of those culture setter type guys. Let's wrap up with this. Back to NIL. What's the wildest amount of money you've heard of? <laughs> I, mean, I don't I – don't, I haven't really – honestly, I hadn't really heard a number. I've just kind of read what, you know, other people read. The numbers they were throwing out last year. I can't – I don't even remember who it was. It was like – couple million dollars i can't remember who it was but that's kind of the, that's the biggest i've heard to be honest so yeah, they're not throwing that out to recruiting writers though are they no no <laughs> <laughs> jeremy johnson national recruiting writer on three sports we appreciate you joining us hope to read more of your articles as ucf lands more booms in the state of georgia absolutely i, I appreciate you guys for having me and i'm sure there there are more coming um it's it's gonna be a pretty good class for ucf and i think this is gonna be one you know, that fan base kind of connects with just because those guys sound like they really want to be there, you know. Jeremy, thank you. Appreciate it.
Absolutely. Y'all have a good one. Thanks, Jeremy. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you. When you talk to a recruiting guy, you like to hear the words uh, twitchy and nasty. He threw those words out. Yeah, I mean, listen, I mean, UCF has, has done a fantastic job. This recruiting class is already, um, you know, historic for UCF if everybody sticks. You know, I like uh, Gus getting into the state of Georgia, keeping the state of Florida whole. If, if we can keep that strategy up, I mean, I think Jeremy's hit it on the head. This could be a really historic class for UCF. And I love the part he says about these guys working together and, and being together as, as a unit, right? Uh, and I think that's so important. And that's kind of what it takes sometimes, right, guys? It takes like one special class to come in and really change the culture and really change some things. And and all of a sudden things start taking off. And, you, you know, you know, you need multiple classes to stack on top of each other. But before you get that, you need that first one. So maybe this is that first one for UCF. That'd be really cool. Of course, it's July. Early signing days, December. Let's see what happens between oh, now there's that. There's that, too. Yes, there's that. Let's go around the kingdom. Hey, Leo, some big baseball news this week. Congrats to former UCF catcher Ben McCabe, selected by the Colorado Rockies in the ninth round of this week's MLB draft. A couple of free agent signees as well. Ruby Gomez, the pitcher, he inks with San Diego, and pitcher Zach Boston signs with Atlanta. Volleyball, Abby Hansen, who led the Knights in blocks, named to the All-12, All-Big 12 preseason team. Knights selected ninth, ninth, no longer first, New World post-McKenna Melville. Uh, so no lofty preseason expectations for volleyball. Softball welcomes a Cal transfer, uh, right-hand pitcher designated player Sonia Halligen uh, to the Knights as Cindy Paul Malone continues to build her roster. Speaking of that around the kingdom, Adam, you were part of this, debuted a new show, welcoming in the voice of UCS softball, Eric Lopez, for a little discussion program. Nice 30-minute conversation on all things UCF. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It was, it was obviously you and Eric Lopez and just kind of really back and forth debate style. And uh, it's available now on our YouTube channel. You can get it on the podcast feed as well. And if you've missed any of it, Here's a little snippet to just to get you interested. So if UCF gets improvements at the quarterback position from John Rice Plumley, among other areas, it wouldn't totally shock me if UCF was near the top. But at the same time, I think this is fair. If you're the Big 12, you're, who, why, you're not going to vote a, a new kid in the block ranked so high. I think you're going to go with the establishment. Interestingly, Texas is the preseason pick, Oklahoma near the top. But I don't think it's crazy for football to contend right away. I thought Eric was crazy saying UCF might find it. He just said he just said he didn't think it was crazy. Trace, you can't say that. I I thought he was, but then Eric said he's not off the top of the show and says, you know, he could possibly see. He says that's not crazy, though. I mean, he said that. That's crazy. It's not crazy. Crazy. Around the kingdom, we will plan to record and drop midweek again on the sun's youtube channel and as well in the audio pod feed thanks to eric and adam you're part of the show as well timekeeper extraordinaire counting us down throwing out the booms to, to cut us off from i just hit the buttons i uh, hit the buttons and come out with the fun facts that's all i'm there for good job good job all right mailbag time I, my favorite time Trace. it's back by popular demand it's that time again Time to open the Brian W. Peterson Sons of UCF mailbag. Every time. (laughs) Do you think this is on his LinkedIn profile that he includes this uh, starring role in our show every week? Uh, I wouldn't put it past him, honestly. Is there a gold version? You said there were a couple designs on these hats. I know. There is no gold. No. Are you anti-gold? Where are you on gold? Are you anti-gold? 
I'm moderate gold. I did I, again. I don't like the O'Leary version of gold. I mean, the new gold we're rocking seems to be okay. Uh, listen, I mean, spoiler alert. I'm a fair skinned individual. Gold is not my power color, so it's not really for me per se. But if you like gold, feel free. I will say Brian's taking this gold thing just a little bit a little too, too far. far. Yeah, a little too far. Just yeah. Leo, gold, yay or nay? Uh, it's a it's a eh, for me. No, I'm not a big gold guy either. I can, I can, t- I, by, by what Adam was saying, feel the exact same way. Exact same way. Like, I want to go to Brian Peterson's house. Like, if his, if his toilet isn't gold, <laughs> if I don't have, like, gold, like, knobs on the cabinets, I'm going to be really disappointed in Brian Peterson because the fact and the way that he loves gold, I just, I, I feel like I'm going to walk into a mausoleum when I walk into Brian Peterson's house. <laughs> Uh, we got a video question from our good friend, Robert. Hey, boys, two letters, two words here with a question. I just learned that at the College World Series, there's a jello shot championship amongst the fan bases. The question is, if we end up at the College World Series, is Trace our coach or our top competitor? Go Knights. Charge on. There'd be a, a level of professionalism about over-consuming jello shots, I'm sure. I was just distracted by Sugar Ray playing in the background. I'm not sure where Robert was at, but um, song in the background was uh, was really distracting me. I feel like Trace would be a a coach in this situation. I feel like at some point it's time to pass your knowledge on to others on the proper way to get the jello shot out of that little plastic thing fast enough discarding the plastic thing and getting on to the next one. It's kind of like Joey Chess in the hot dog eating contest. Like you've got, you know, two at a time. How do you rotate the right way? I feel like Trace has a lot of expertise in the area. I feel as if though Leo would have avoided being cow of the week on the most recent Suns podcast. Oh, I knew we were some solid, wow. for some solid Trace, advice. That's not fair. <laughs> I, I didn't I, name I, him. I, you guys would be surprised, but I think I'd be a top competitor. Just saying. Just saying, you guys, hey, gonna put it out. There. I don't doubt you because I mean, I don't. I worry about the next day, Leo. But I feel like that day you'd be you'd be solid, my friend. <laughs> exactly. The next day, that's that's where we got the question marks. But <laughs> fair enough. Uh, Dolly drama. Yeah. We mentioned him earlier. Asking, I gather, at me most memorable moment experience interview for media days past. It is especially poignant to me to know that I had a very solid conversation uh, years back uh, with uh, Anderson. And, uh, of course, you know, you don't realize that that's going to be maybe one of the last times you speak with someone. So I appreciate that moment. And he asks the second question, if you could cameo a different beat for half the season, which Big 12 conference member would you choose? Leo, we, we ship you off to somewhere. Where are you going? Who do you want to cover? Uh, I'll do Texas. I mean, I know they're going to be gone after this. this it's about the party but... scene, isn't it? In Austin? It, it, it definitely is about Austin. And just because, you know, it's a it's a power. It's been a powerhouse. So I. Got to say Texas, no doubt. Adam? Texas Tech. Because what's going on there, really? Like, what You're are we not doing? going to Lubbock, are you? You're what are we doing? I need to under, like, what are we doing? You voluntarily <laughs> chose to school to school here. I need more information. I think uh, for this upcoming season, I choose Oklahoma just to be reunited with Dylan Gabriel and uh, get to get to throw some questions his way. Wow. Uh, always difficult for me to say, must say it slowly, at don't fuck up. Was that three? <laughs> we shall not repeat it. With Big 23. 12 days in full swing and we being able to see our conference mates and our guys represent the program, what is the most memorable vacation that you've taken that doesn't involve anything UCF? He also asked, what's the square root of 361? And, and I'm not good at math. 
it's 19 trays for those asking i think leo and i were just on really cool vacations i was in costa rica loved my time in costa rica i don't know if leo feels the same but costa rica nothing ucf related other than the ucf shirt i had on for the most of the time really cool vacation i mean i've been on some i've been to some pretty cool countries but i don't think anything tops italy just because of the i don't know the tourist tourism things that you could do there it's just some great things but africa is very underrated is all i'm going to say i know it's a continent but it's got some really cool countries that I recommend you guys visit from time to time. So put me down for Europe until I get to go to Lubbock later this year. <laughs> At Manny Amoras, uh, he's asking with seven weekends away from the start of the season, if you could include, you know, what would be your playlist? If you watch a game each weekend leading up to it, he supplied choices here, asking us to rank them. Maybe a little complicated, Manny, but uh, Adam, we'll begin with you. What's your what's your go-to here? What do you what are you starting off with? Ooh, if I can only pick, so I'm 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 certainly going 2017 Cal's UCF. I mean that that's first. Then I'll go 2017 championship game. Then I'll go Auburn. That's three right there. Give me college wow. game day for four. Gasparilla for five. Uh, give me that Baylor game in uh, in 14. Louisville in 13. That gets me to six. And just for giggles, um, you know, give, is that, I don't know if that 18 Memphis UCF game is the championship game. If it is, I'll take that one too. How many of these have you watched since they were played? One, two, three, four, five, probably five. Wow. Leo, what about you? Pick one or two there. I'm going to go ahead. This is actually um, had a big impact on me when I was, when I was growing up watching football, uh, 2013 UCF Louisville. I think that that season for UCF kind of just, you know, put UCF on the map. So that has to be number one for myself. Um, and I've actually, I didn't watch this one live, so I rewatched it and it was definitely USF, uh, UCF 2017. And that was electric for electric. Uh, what were you doing, Leo? You didn't watch it live? Yeah. I, I was buying a hat. What were you doing? He was, was probably at, enrolled at another college. <laughs> no, no, actually I was, I was in the army at the time and I was, Oh, I kind of got a but now I'm a jerk. The fact that I went back and actually watched it, you know, it, it was electric. Like I was like, wow, I can't believe I missed that. You know, like to be yeah. there live. So I, I feel bad. Yeah, I'm with uh, you, Devin. Black Friday. That's uh, that's where it begins and ends. That's Thursday night. How many noon kickoffs do you think we get in the Big 12 schedule? At least a couple, especially some of those road games. Uh, I think. Uh, and by the way, interesting, Brent Yormark talking about possibility of Thursday, Friday night games. And he talked about the heat early on in the season, which I thought was interesting. I, I don't think there's a lot of fans in Night Nation who want any noon games, especially during September. At Strength and Spirit, will Trace pledge to unfollow or not retweet one more cow? I will not make that pledge. Anything that I find amusing or interesting, I repost. So I am going to relish in their lack of success. Communicate. Um, Another strength of spirit question, rank the Big 12 mascots. Uh, so Ooh. we're not going to rank 14 of them. I will begin with saying that my favorite, and I did a little research on this today, is the Mountaineer West Virginia mascot, elected from the student body since the 1930s. Okay, They now have, they can have a couple years, uh, two-year two term limits. Surprising to me that there have been both male and female uh, selected for this. I would have just thought uh, guys and, and the guys, of course, uh, they pretty much want them to grow the beard. Uh, I think with all of the masked characters that were in Arlington at Big 12 Media Days, it's interesting to see the Mountaineer wandering around. 
I, I did like a minute of research before this trace. Whatever that thing is on the back left with the red and the big giant hats. I don't know what that <laughs> mascot is. It's that's his deck. Yeah, that's my winner. That's, that's, I don't. I don't know what that is. That's my winner. Whatever this thing is right here with the giant red. It looks like the some sort of Sesame Street character. It looks like he's got Leo's hat on. I don't know. That's my. That's my. That's my. <laughs> he looks like he's got Leo's. I'll give you a top three right off the bat, right quick. I'm gonna do the Jayhawk, the Horn Frog, and the Red Raider, the Texas Tech the Horn Frog. Those three right there. I think. In the back, what's in the back right behind Nitro? What is that? That's a Cougar. Which one? Is it the, hey he's hey between now. he's between cougars. Hey oh no, that's a bear cat next to him there on the left, right? Yeah, that's the bear cat, cat Cincinnati, and then the cougar on the right. What's to the left of that then? What's that bird looking thing? Oh, that is a cardinal. Is it a cardinal? Iowa State cycle. It is some sort of cardinal, though. It's a yeah. Ra Raider Red, by the way. Adam Raider Red, Texas Tech's costume mascot. Before the 71 football season, Southwest Conference passed a rule which restricted the bringing of live animal mascots out to out-of-town games. Thus, the masked rider. Texas I'm being told it's a cyclone. I don't know. Matt Dolan knows a lot of things about uh, the Midwest. I'm pretty sure it's a cardinal. <laughs> yeah, it's actually well, I mean, a cardinal, but I don't know why it's a cardinal. There's something about the, the cardinals. Uh, there it is right okay. there. Yeah, we're going to. Wow. Look at this. Well, I, I, I dislike Ohio, you know, Iowa State already. I know Ohio State, by the way. Uh, at Chris Bilowich, Chris asking, UCF enjoying a lot of recruiting success lately since they'll be competing in the Big 12, but how many of the current commitments will jump ship if UCF has a mediocre first year in the new conference? I don't think that matters as much as what bags of money get tossed around between now and December. Yeah, if you're asking me to, I mean, I think I don't, we should have maybe asked Jeremy this, but I don't know what percentage of recruiting classes are are flipping after one year, but whatever that percentage is, I don't, I don't think UCF's immune to that. So it's 20%, 30%. I think you're seeing that all over the place. So whatever that number is, I don't think UCF's immune to that win or loss. Leo at UCF Knights win. There's a lot of experience on this year's team. Do we have a better shot at making some noise this year or next? I'd say the following year, um, I feel like the transfer portal is going to make a big impact just because JRP leaving kind of opens up that QB room. So the big question mark after JRP leaves. So I think a splash in the transfer portal for a QB can really get the excitement going for next year. And I think next year we're in a better spot just because of the recruiting classes coming in and, you know, having, I guess, power five talent coming in, but um, you know, it's going to take some time regardless. I just think next year is a little bit more hype. At UCF, I think this is a great question. ESPN's projections say UCF loses at Kansas State, Texas Tech, Oklahoma. Of those three, which game UCF most likely to steal a win? I think that Texas Tech game is so difficult uh, in Lubbock, and I think that Kansas State one is hard. I could see, though, them beating Dylan Gabriel in Oklahoma, that him making a mistake and the defense seizing upon it. Uh, though a tough environment, I'm going to say Oklahoma. Damn it. You took my answer, Trace. I was going there as well. I'm hoping for a late pick six Boise State game style for Dylan Gabriel and UCF wins the game. Yeah, for me, for me, that Oklahoma, I thought, you know, what Eric was saying about Oklahoma, I think that it's giving me a little bit of hope that they probably do it maybe at Texas Tech. I think Texas Tech might be that that team. That's at underscore all night underscore do you believe the big 12 with its depth top to bottom is more appealing conference to play in as opposed to the acc and not geographically maybe but i do think it's wide open and uh maybe not the case in the acc 
Yeah, I think there's more competition in the Big 12. Maybe I'm 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 biased to that, but I mean I feel like the the teams in the Big 12, I think you and Elo said it in and around the kingdom a clip we showed earlier. There there's a stack of teams in that middle portion that any one of those teams can pull a TCU and come out on top of the Big 12. I don't Wake Forest winning the ACC? No. I mean, is Virginia winning the ACC? Is no. Georgia I mean Georgia Virginia. Tech winning the I I don't think so. So I think the Big 12 has a little bit more competitiveness than than the ACC does. Leo at Greg seven thirty. Do any of the true freshmen become opening day starters on this twenty three fights team? That's a good question. Opening day uh, starter. Yeah, opening day. That's that's tough because if I think if there were to be one, I'm looking at the tight end position in Pittman. Ooh. Uh, I, I think he's, he's in there. Yeah, I don't know. I uh, this is um, this is not to offend Alec Holler, but you know he he's he was a walk on, you know and. He's, Not to offend uh, you, but let me offend no, you. No, I mean, no, this is this is what it is. Like, I, Pittman's a highly touted recruit. You know, he's he looks like the real deal. I mean, I've seen him. I've seen his high school tapes as well. I think he can maybe not – I wouldn't say uh, day one, but he could definitely be a, a starter as the season goes on in tight end position. Adam, didn't we see Randy Pittman at Burger U? We uh, did. Really nice kid. Leo, you um, saw. Oh, that's Oh, right. no. Leo, yeah. he was he yeah. was otherwise gay. Really nice kid. Very energetic. I think the answer is John Walker. I mean, between Ricky Barber, Lee Hunter, and that middle portion, maybe he doesn't get that first start. But, you know, we rotate those positions. Yeah. I think John Walker's probably our best chance at that. At Coach Pierce, how do we get UCF license plates in Georgia? A little bit of a movement this week about that. I would continue to badger the Alumni Association. I know people have looped in Terry Mahodger. Badger, the Alumni Association, to generate some interest in that. At UCF Guy 23 with a late question, yes. Move to Florida, get a plate, and then go back to Georgia. Do you have a UCF plate? I don't. Mm. Yeah, I don't. Still using your previous state's plate or no? You've switched over, but you didn't get one? Something like that. (laughs) Very interesting. At UCF Guy 23, uh, your mark indicating maybe a redesign of the Big 12 logo. Do you want Roman numerals? numerals or complete change what would you choose uh, i think we should be using roman numerals for anything and i never write it as a roman numeral so i just write big with one two yeah i don't want the roman numerals the super bowl always you know trips me up every year and i'm trying to figure out what game number we're on give me give me real numbers on that um i'm curious what he does though trace i mean this, he seems to be kind of out there in terms of ideas i'm curious what that rebrand looks like but just give me the old change. the old-fashioned number one the old-fashioned number two leo yeah, I'm, I'm with Adam. Old-fashioned number one and two, Big 12. And I hopefully it looks modern. It's not They don't try to get cute with it. Back to underscore all night underscore. When lacing up, this is a, a frequent uh, discussion question it. on yeah, the Sunday UCF pod. Yeah. Are you sock, shoe, sock, shoe, or do you prefer sock, sock, shoe, shoe? I have a terrible answer on this that I always think of because I know Mike rants on this. I don't necessarily do it the same way. I, I mix it up. So if you're not sock, man. sock, shoe, shoe, go turn yourself into the police right now. <laughs> sock, sock, shoe, shoe is the way to go. And I'll take it one further, Trace. I always go left to right. So left sock, right sock, left shoe, right shoe. Every single time it's sock, sock, shoe, shoe. Who's walking around with one, like a sock and a shoe on the right foot and the doorbell rings and you're like, oh crap. And you've got one. No, sock, sock, shoe, shoe. If not, go turn yourself into the authorities. <laughs> I don't know that I'm going to do that. I'm just saying, I, I acknowledge. Maybe you should, Trace. I don't necessarily I'm going to call Crime Stoppers after this and report <laughs> a, a heinous, a heinous idea <laughs> on your part. Leo, are you uh, with Thank the you, man. kind of Adam on this one? Sock. <laughs> 100%. I've, I've always done sock, socks, uh, shoe, shoe, but 
I'm, I wouldn't take it to the extreme as, you know, going right to left with the <laughs> shoes. Like, I, I'm, it's whatever shoe I see near. So I'm just going to do right, left, doesn't matter. But, yes, sock, sock, shoe, shoe, for sure. Uh, there's some responses there, and then we'll end with this one at Nightfan94. Does Trace ever have any wild, irrational fan outbursts while watching UCF game or only sane and steady objectiveness? Uh, while in the press box, I tend to be steady and objective. A fan in the stands, a little more insane. It's difficult for me to be in the press box. I have snapped pens before on bad plays. I, I, I mutter. I, you madman, you! <laughs> I scream in my head. Well, you can't lose your you can't lose your mind. Um, you could. Yeah. No, you can't lose your mind. Well, if you go who's sock shoe, sock shoe, you, out, you should lose your mind. <laughs> who's kicking you out, Trace? Uh, well, I'm sure there's a long list of <laughs> athletics. Uh, I'm not. I'm not back in there yet, Leo. You know? Yeah, That's they like fun. you. Yeah, but, uh, hide your back, rats. Thank you, everybody, for your questions. And finally, Fan Fest coming soon, Sunday, August sixth, in the arena. Adam, you were there for that with family last year, one thirty to three thirty. That was a good time. I mean, there's a lot going on, uh, running all over the place. Yeah, really cool opportunity to meet the players, get some autographs, stand in line, get some pictures. I mean, the, the guys are always welcoming and, and we'll take pictures and shake hands and, um, you know, and have a little conversation with you. So if you're available, it's a Sunday. Uh, it's, it's a good time. I recommend everybody bring the kids. Uh, the players are so good with kids. My, my 10 year old was there. Everybody took pictures with him and, and signed. I think that poster right over my shoulder there is the poster my son got signed last year. So um, all the players are, are super, super welcoming. So if you're thinking about it, bring the kids, bring the family, make it a day. Um, it'll make you proud to be a UCF Knight. Yeah, it's a good time. Good time. I want to thank Eric Henry uh, for joining us uh, and his perspective on uh, Media Day and Jeremy Johnson uh, talking about recruiting in the state of Georgia. I want to thank both of them. Be sure to check out uh, Jimmy Frizzell, that interview on the Suns YouTube channel. And if you haven't caught Eric Lopez and I on Around the Kingdom, our new show as part of Suns of UCF, please be sure to check that out. We will catch you next week. For Adam and Leo, I'm Trace Trunko. Go Knights! Charge on. Charge on, including this guy. I'm Blake Bortles. Thanks for watching the Suns of UCF. Back in the camp. Blake Bortles. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.